you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from the com. The com. Hey, we're coming here with a great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for coming by. We've got a most excellent author that's going to be on the show today, and you want to check in to what he's going to be delivering and sharing with us. Your mind is going to be expanded, blown, and you're going to learn so many new things. It'll improve probably your skin and your sex life. So it might. Or it might not. I'm not. I'm just saying the attorneys say we we can suggest that it might, but I'm not sure that it will or not. Anyway, guys, go to YouTube.com. Says Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com. For says Chris Voss. Follow us over there. What we're reading and reviewing. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and all those different places. Check them all out today amazing author we have on the show, Philip Barlig. He is the author of the newest book that he's just put out, June 14th, 2021. That's not the title. That's the date that it came out. The book is called Evil Roman Emperors, the shocking history of ancient Rome's most wicked rulers from Caligula to Nero and more. I feel like I should have read that in uh, that movie guy's voice. He was a, in a world gone mad. Evil Roman empires, the shocking history of ancient Rome's most wicked rule. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm butching your title, Philip. So let's talk about Philip and find out more about him. He's an interesting gentleman. He's an executive director at World 50, which initiates and facilitates the most interesting and influential business conversations in the world. See, what I tell you is interesting. In addition to evil Roman emperors, he's the author of The History of Rome in 12 Buildings and the acclaimed leadership genius of Julius Caesar. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia area with his wife and three children. Welcome to the show, Philip. How are you? I am great, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. There you go. And sorry for butchering the title of your book with that bad improv reading from some sort of movie theater. Uh, it's okay. Can voice. I confess something about the book title? Sure. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where the publisher was yes. like, this is the title. You're going yes. with this. And I wanted to call the book Murderers, Tyrants, and Lunatics. And uh-huh. the, uh, the publisher rightly suggested that if I didn't tell people right in the title what it was all about. So maybe the title is more accurate. My, my bruised, sad ego still holds on to, but I wanted to call it something else. But nevertheless, it, I do like it, but don't tell them that. <laughs> there you go. Give us your plugs, Philip, on where people can find you on the interwebs and learn more about you. Yeah, so I slapped together a little author site at philipbarlag.com, two L's and Philip, the proper way. Thank you. Uh, B-A-R-L-A-G, philipbarlag.com. Amazon is king. It's the best place to find the book to buy it if you like the idea or the subject matter intrigues you. So my name, a search on either the title, even Evil Roman Emperors, or my name will bring that book up. And uh, that's the best way to find me. I'm not, I guess I have an author page on Facebook at Philip Barlag. So I'm there too. I'm pretty low profile guy, sadly. And that's why I'm extremely grateful to be here and to talk to you and to all your, all your audience. Awesome sauce. It's wonderful to have you. So what motivated you to want to write this book? I love this book. It's a weird little book. It's not that little, but strangely, I think the answer is the movie uh, Gladiator. 
Ah. So I saw the movie, okay, as most people have. And the bad guys, of course, Commodus. Mm-hmm. The problem with the movie Gladiator, among many, it's a great movie. Historically, they did a really good job of trying to nail some very key parts about how Rome worked, about how the army worked, et cetera. But they made Commodus way too smart, way too cunning, way too calculating, and weirdly not cruel enough. And great movie. Then you learn a little bit more about the true nature of the subject, and you realize there's a gap, and that gap is entertaining. And that's what I wanted to tell, not just him, but but historically, who these people were, what made them what they were, and what has come down through the collective consciousness of certain people, and what a version of that reality might look like and how those things would contrast with one another. And everyone knows Nero. Everyone, most people know Caligula. There's a range of opinions about how accurate those collective opinions of these people that have been uh, formed really are. But there's some really interesting stories about Rome, about Romans, about power, about the nature of power. Some of them are people that are well-known and others really deserve their moment in the sun. And that's the idea is try to take the worst of Rome's emperors, rulers, kings, tyrants, put them all in one place, compare them all across one another, and then rank them down 10 to 1. There you go. Give us an overall arcing uh, view of the book, like some of the details that you have inside it and stuff like that. Yeah, Roman history is is a reasonably decent guess at a certain period of time and is almost entirely myth in other periods of time. And it's long, complicated, and twisted. And what I've tried to do is go from the founding of the city to the collapse of the Western Empire. The founding of the city is entirely mythical, but we have to treat it as fact because we have no version of reality to contradict it. So starting in the entirely fabricated date of 753 BCE, all the way to the collapse of the Roman Empire in 476. Those dates are arbitrary again, of course. But the idea is there's a lot of really weird stuff that happened along the way, and only some of it got attention. So I'll give you the example. Rome is the myth founded by twin brothers, Romulus and Remus, and they had their own epic life even before the founding of the city. They had an argument over which of the seven hills should be the center. They got into an argument. Romulus kills Remus, thus the name Rome for Romulus. And then the city is up and running. So the city itself was founded in blood. It doesn't matter that didn't happen. What matters is that the Romans themselves came to understand that as part of their core identity and that violence is enshrined in the very foundation of the city. And it is justified as an exertion of power. And that justified exertion of power in the mind of the rulers comes up over and over. And so much of these awful deeds are cloaked under this veil of patriotism and homage to the founding ethos of the city. And you have the city. These people kill each other. One rules, the other dies. Now you have Rome. You have kingship established. You get this really awful guy who was so bad that he was banished as the last king of Rome and it transitions to a different system of government. They do such a bad job that they get run out of town and power gets consolidated in the hands of one person under a different sense of government. So all these big swings in the different epochs of Roman history are really predicated by terrible people abusing power whether it's one person, a collective group of people, an institution of people. And so much of the story of Rome is really about how terrible leadership and terrible people and acts of unspeakable cruelty made things so bad that the the system itself lurched into a different form of governance. And and that is uh, sort of the untold, dark, shadowy side of Roman history. And I think it uh, is one that's fun to learn about. 
Yeah, it's interesting, the parallels to our current day politics and world, isn't it? It is. Although here's funny. I I mentioned my sort of half-hearted attempt at an author page on Facebook. And I, you know, it's really me there. I don't have this like legion of marketers that are out there that are managing content for me. So I put a post out and people like it and they comment on it, then great. And uh, my most recent post, one person goes, sounds just like the Biden administration. And the next person's like, no, you idiot. Sounds like the Trump administration. The reality <laughs> is, like, I'm going to tell you, I am not going to go near the whole yeah. compare the modern world to the ancient one for a couple of reasons. One, if the moment I declare any political allegiance in the book, then I've turned off half of the audience and I already need everybody that might be interested to for the love of God, buy the book. And so if I piss off half the people that might, they're gone. But the other reason is that it's completely apples and oranges. There is no contemporary American politician, none, zero, that would warrant consideration for a revised version of this book. They just won't. They're lightweights by comparison. The worst of Rome is infinitely worse than the worst of contemporary American politics. And so I almost like, I'm not whether anyone would be, say, Team Biden or Team Trump, no matter what. They're nothing compared to Elagabalus or Caracalla or any of the lunatics out there. And part of that is because the resilience of American institutions are a check on megalomania. We can argue whether or not those institutions have come under duress over a period of time. But the worst of Rome is infinitely worse than the worst of America. The question is whether or not it's a cautionary tale over where the country's going And if so, what can we learn along the way? But I don't think that anyone that we would be coming across now would even, it wouldn't raise an eyebrow for anything that happened back then. Yeah. It's a give it time. There's still time, right? (laughs) Yeah. They had a two, they they had a 2000 year run. We're a little earlier in our journey. And we're trying to make it over as quick as possible. Evidently, (laughs) if you watch January 6th. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I, there's an old saying that I always say, the one thing man can learn from his history, the one thing man can learn from his history is that man never learns from his history. Those two <laughs> being the key operative words. He could, but he never will. And uh, thereby, we just keep going in circles. And so the aphorism attributed to Twain, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Mm-hmm. It's, you just feel these patterns. They just keep coming back. Yeah. The, yeah, it's, there's a reason that you know, so much has been written about Roman history and Caesar and Marcus Aurelia. Is it Marcus Aurelia? Mm-hmm. Um, and all these people, they built an empire over the course of time. We've seen how those empires have fared, whether it's the British Empire or our empire is on its stilts or I don't know what you call it. But we see how these leaders fail these empires and, they, and then they eventually decay and collapse. Yeah. Yeah. And The amazing thing about Rome is that for so much of its history, its collapse was defined by, was followed by its renewal. And there were plenty of instances, if you look back over the arc of Roman history, where by all virtue, it shouldn't have survived the cataclysm under which it went. My personal favorite Roman emperor, so on the good side of the ledger, it was a guy named Aurelian who ruled from roughly 270 to 275 um, AD or CE, depending on your preferred convention. And Aurelian, what made part of what made him so incredible is that he inherited Rome when it had splintered, had fallen apart. And it was uh, 
giant, two giant chunks had cleaved off and formed their own breakaway kingdoms. They called themselves Roman. They set up their own Roman institutions. They had their own Senate, their own emperor, their own coinage, everything. But they were breakaway empires from the core Roman emperor. So beset with internal troubles and just really falling apart at the seams. And okay, you know, it had a good run. And Aurelian, through his energy, vigor, and martial prowess, was able to bring everything back into the fold and recreate the Roman Empire, for which he was given the title Restitutor Orbis, or Restorer of the World, because he brought it all back together. And if you've been to Rome, and the walls that ring the city, those are the walls of Aurelian. He was the emperor that commissioned the building of those walls. Sadly, he was assassinated before he, the walls were completed. So the walls that bear his name are a posthumous legacy. Wow. And why he was assassinated appears in the book. But it's, it, it's a sign of an empire in decline that tends to murder its charismatic and energetic leaders. And I think you can, I don't think that's a terribly controversial statement, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> At two, Brut, Brutus. Yeah, the, yeah, it's so interesting, like I said, how much this parallels stuff. What's the most, do you, do, what's the most evil Roman Empire Emperor, according to your book, what's, oh, what's that, at the top of the list? You want me to spoil the end? Of hey, it? if you don't want to blow the book, we don't the last chapter is a countdown. So Does anyone die in it? I'm just wondering. Uh. <laughs> okay. There are okay. So the, la- the the book goes chronological from the founding of city to collapse of the empire and highlights okay. ten people along the way. Although the last chapter is actually two people because their careers were right on top of each other. And then the final concluding chapter is my attempt to count down from 10. So there were emperors who would order the wholesale slaughter of 20, 25,000 people at a time. There were emperors who would, Caligula goes to a wedding, just before the wedding can be celebrated, decides that he wants the bride, shouts, hand off my bride, takes her in the other room, does terrible things to her, prevents her from marrying her betrothed keeps her essentially in seclusion, then exiles her, but orders her never to have contact with the intended groom, just as a sheer, disgusting exercise of power. Wow. By the way, you need everything about stories like that require an asterisk because the chroniclers are very hostile to certain people. And in some accounts, their chronicles are the only things that survive. And so there might not be evidence to the contrary. And there's a big qualifier, which is, this is a version of a story. There might be other versions of the story, some of which have been told, some of which have been not. And there's a deliberate choice in the book to pick the most salacious details and put them together and present it as the version of history, when in reality, there's multiple versions of history and a lot of Rome is ultimately unknowable. But it is perfectly consistent with the character of someone like Caligula to rape a bride on her wedding day and prevent her from marrying her intended husband because he had this disgusting need to exercise dominance over the aristocracy. And that was just the kind of thing that he did. One of the challenges in writing this book is not to get too gross with some of these things because they're really gross stories and not to make the book just a a laundry list of really terrible, unspeakable deeds because then it gets depressing as you go and you just, it almost the book would have otherwise been desensitized to things. So you got to you know, I tried real hard not to just wallow in gore, but also tell a story along the way. And hopefully I've accomplished mm-hmm. that, but readers will have to be the uh, the judge. Maybe you got a slasher movie there when they turn <laughs> it into a movie. Yeah, I think so. Those I mean, guys don't sound like nice people at all. No, no. <laughs> but hence the title, correct? Yeah, and they're just, some of them are just 
some of them are just downright weird. Uh, were like there any it? nice ones, like just nice guys, or did they all get wiped off the map probably? So the, there were, I can't remember the count, something like 96, 98 Western or, or emperors until the, from the first emperor, which is Augustus, until the found to the collapse of the Western Empire. There were some incredible people of talent and merit. Every single one of them would have made decisions that would have shocked modern sensibilities. There's just, it was a different world. Life was cheap. Life was violent. Power was exercised through violence that didn't make them incompetent administrators. And it didn't mean that they didn't have their own sense of justice. Nero, as an example, who's always held up as the example of the worst of Rome, and he's probably the one who suffered the most from posthumous character assassination, had this incredible sense of chivalry and really genuinely cared about making sure that women were respected and well-treated and, and had these weird conventions, I shouldn't say weird, but like atypical for his time, respect for, for women. Again, I want to be careful to say that's not weird. It was different for his time and for his position. Yeah. And that's that gets lost in the whole you know, arc of some of the weird story. The story's about some of the worst of what he did. His character was probably a bit more nuanced, but they, so even the worst probably had some elements that made him not so bad. And there were some incredibly talented rulers, people of genuine sense of justice, very vigorous, very competent. Uh, Augustus was brilliant. Trajan was brilliant. Hadrian was brilliant. Constantine was brilliant, but they were also prone to megalomania. And sometimes that showed up too. So the ones where there's a mixed a mixed reputation don't really appear in the book. The ones who were mm-hmm. genuinely, there's a historical consensus over their awfulness are what you find in there. Wow. Wow. Anything else uh, you want to tease out on the book that people might entice people to buy it even more? Sure. The, the Roman history is, it can be somewhat inaccessible. It's long. It you know, covers a wide period of time. I mentioned that there's a 12, 1300 year span from the founding of the city to the class of the Western Empire. And what's sort of hiding inside the book is a single volume history of Rome. Oh, wow. And it, it gives you these are the big epochal moments. These are the different systems of governance. These are the key people that define Roman history for what it is. And so if you really want to approach Roman history, One of the intentions of the book is to help tie together the entirety of its history in a single volume, in a way that makes sense, in a way that's accessible, in a way that that, that people will enjoy. So if you're after a little bit more of the detailed stories of some of the, if you're a Roman geek and you already know who Elagabal is, if someone's listening and you know who Elagabal is, this is a book for you. Uh If you're listening and you have no idea what the difference is between the kings, the senate, and the empire, this is also the book for you. And so I'm really trying to make sure that wherever someone falls on their continuum of Roman history, there's something in there for them. And in particular, what's hiding, I think, is a fairly succinct single volume history of Rome from its founding to its fall. There you go. There you go. That sounds like a great book, a great read. And do you hope people learn something from this and apply it to today's uh, society and different things? Sure. I think there is... uh, numerous need for learning what I would call lessons in the negative, i.e. don't do this. (laughs) And and there are some pretty consistent patterns to how people were able to accumulate and then abuse their power. There are also lessons about the people that enabled such things to happen and what they did and how they did. 
I'm sure in your career, you've seen people who derive some measure of pleasure by trying to control access to there's a plenty of those types of people inside Roman history that you, you start to see, okay, this is how people accumulate power. Yes, but here's how people control access to the powerful as a proxy for their own power. And there's all sorts of lessons about that. The first book I wrote, the book about Julius Caesar is entirely cast in what I would say are leadership lessons in the positive, not don't do this, but more, here's some things that you can emulate from the life of career, life and career of Julius Caesar that makes sense in a modern leadership context. So I think in a weird way, the books are a nice complement to one another, but I, yes, I think there's plenty to avoid. If you're reading Evil Roman and you're saying, oh, I got to try that, you're probably, that's not the intention. Don't do that. There's lots of things. this at home, kids. Yeah, there's probably some penalties for that these days. (laughs) Although, I don't know, we got some politicians seem to get away with everything. So there you go. But uh, we should definitely learn from it. If a man doesn't learn from his history, he's doomed to repeat it. And that seems to be what we like to do. But we seem to hate it at the time. But we're like, this really sucks. Let's not do this again. And then we just do it again. I was, I think I was just watching John Stewart talking on the Stephen Colbert show. And he was talking about how do we still screw up the same sort of pandemic standards a year, a hundred years later? How do we screw that up? But we, st- we didn't learn anything. And we're still trying to get people to wear masks. They were wearing masks a hundred years ago. So what the hell? Um, I, mean, I hate to plug another author's work, but if you haven't read Michael Lewis's new book, The Premonition, it answers a lot of those questions. And it is a brilliant book. I'll check and, it out. He might be, we might have invited him on. Does it have a cover of a blue mask and it's red in the background? I think the color is yellow. I don't remember what's on the cover. He, if, if one of your dear audience here is debating between helping support me versus Michael Lewis, please help me. The guy sells like 10 million books every time. He <laughs> out. But if you oh. already bought Evil Roman Emperors in the back catalog of all fine Barlag books, then by all means, please check out The Premonition by Michael Lewis. It's a great, it does actually, I think, go a really long way to answering exactly that question. How did we not learn from the pandemic that happened 100 years earlier? So first buy your book, and then if yeah. you've got spare money in the change store there, buy The Premonition. Actually, I, we have the book here. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's on the schedule, but usually if we have the book, he's on the schedule. Let me see if the schedule will pull up. It seems to be taking a while. But evidently, the Google servers don't have enough money, so they're moving ah. slow today. Yeah, pr- uh, what the pray hell? for Google. <laughs> pray for Can everyone just say a prayer for Google? I'm not sure if they're going to make it. They've been running. Gmail was in beta. My schedule won't come up. It just says calendar, and then it says my account, and it's just blank screen. All right, so I think he's on the thing. So if I see him, I'll tell him you plugged his book, and he owes you something or an ad fee or something. I don't know. Or he he has to. He's on the show. He's got to plug your book back. I think that's yeah. There you is, go. Is that like, how it works? His endorsement. He's smart. No one's ever done this on the show before, Philip. His endorsement of me would go a lot further than my endorsement of him. <laughs> I can assure you, there is a not insignificant gap in stature between us as authors. But well, I go. revere him as a writer. He's a he is exceptional. There you go. Awesome sauce. Give us your plugs, Philip, so people can find you on the interwebs. Yeah. So philipbarlag.com is my little slapdash. I don't know what I'm doing. Author site. I'm, I do have an author page on Facebook. And the best thing to do is to go to amazon.com, throw in my last name, B-A-R-L-A-G, and you'll find me there. And that would be the best way to find me. There you guys go. Check it out, guys. Evil Roman emperors. The shocking history of ancient robes. Most Rome's. Did I say robes? <laughs> the shocking history of ancient Rome's. 
most wicked rulers from Caligula to Nero and more by Philip Barlag. Philip, it's been wonderful on the show. Uh, wonderful to have your insight and everything else. Hopefully everyone reads the book and gets some great entertainment. It becomes a wonderful movie starring, I don't know, whoever the stars in movies that, that uh, evil murderous people play in these <laughs> days. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been to the movies with the COVID and stuff. But yeah, whoever that is. I can see uh, who's the guy who did Die Hard. Could he he be one of these parts in this movie? What's his yeah, name? Yeah, I could see Bruce Willis murdering Bruce Willis? hundreds and thousands of people. Sure, yeah, man. Hey, Bruce, if you're listening, I love you, man. Die Hard was the first R-rated movie I saw in the theater. Please don't sue me. <laughs> also, the best Christmas movie ever made. There oh you go. yeah, it's really weird because it's the most anti-Christmas. <laughs> It's like like murder and people getting shot and falling out of buildings. And you're just like, this is very Santa Claus-y. But still, we love him as an actor in the movie, of course. So always remember Nakatomi. The Nakatomi. Always remember. Anyway, it's been wonderful having the show, Philip. But thank you very much for spending some time with us today. We really Truly grateful. Very much appreciate it. And hope folks find me. Let me know what you think. There you go. To my audience, check it out. Order it up. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button on YouTube at youtube.com for just Chris Voss. Go to all our groups on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those different places and check them out. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time.